0: At Lexia, we know literacy changes lives. As the gateway to the future for every student, literacy can boost their confidence and help them realize their full potential. Based on the science of reading, our literacy programs, along with all of those dedicated educators, can change the path of students' lives forever. We believe literacy can and should be for all. That's why at Lexia, we're all for literacy. G'day, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Grow Your Brand, the podcast show that provides you with your step-by-step guide to unlock your potential so you can get more out of your life and change the world for the better. I'm your host, Lauren Cress, the business scientist, and today on the show, we're talking about how to develop your style. Some great questions from the audience this week and the ones I'll be answering on the show, two submitted questions that got the most likes on LinkedIn. Just so you know, if you don't submit your question to me on LinkedIn, I submit them in the comments myself so people can vote on them, which is how Joshua Sikta's question got chosen. Uh, Joshua asks a great question. What are some examples of bizarre but effective personal brands you've seen? The other question comes from Lyndall Farley who asks, I find that my brand style has come from my personal style and way of communicating. It's intuitive to me, but how do I translate that into words when I bring people on to work on my brand marketing? We'll explore the answers to each of these questions uh, in the Q&A segment at the end of the show. But first, let's talk a little bit about style. Firstly, always like to start off with defining terms. What is style? When we talk about style, We're talking about the manner for how you do things. Some of my favorite quotes on what style is uh, comes from fashion designers. You may have already noticed that I don't like to stick to sort of like an area of discipline or industry for inspiration. Actually, a couple of times people have challenged me on my science perspective on things. Uh, They've asked me things like, but what about art and design? And I'm like, yeah, art and design are hugely important just because I talk about the importance of science doesn't mean I don't think art and design are important. In fact, uh, the only scholarship I ever got was for this little mini summer course when I was in high school at the White House Institute of Design. And my master's degree was in something called cross-disciplinary art and design, where we explored the way that disciplines inform one another to take creative thinking and problem solving to a whole new level. Anyway, so Yes, to begin the show with some inspiration, I want to borrow some words from former princess of Furstenberg, Diane von Furstenberg, best known for inventing the wrap dress, who says, quote, Style is something each of us already has. All we need to do is find it. End quote. I love that. I love that because that's the same way I think about brand, and and it's really inspirational, right? This idea that we have something to discover within us, something to untap. To explore and bring to life. Now, to tie this back in with the last couple of weeks in our focus on brand personality, what you might be feeling right now is this sense of wait, but I'm a little bit of all of these brand personalities. You know, you might be feeling like there's a bit of this Barnum effect at play here. And just quickly, in case you don't know what the Barnum effect is, the Barnum effect basically describes this sort of cognitive bias we have where statements that are relatively vague and general enough to apply to sort of anyone are rated as highly accurate and specific to them. Now, obviously, with saying that there's 12 archetypes, the cat's already out of the bag a little bit because they're called archetypes, meaning something typical and universal to human nature. But the idea with this is that it gets us to the point where we can gain some, we can start to gain some insight about what appeals to us and to others in terms of how we want to exist in market before we start doing this fine tuning work that we're about to embark on. And this is where we officially move on to pillar two, where we look at how to develop your distinct and salient brand assets. I like to think of style as having three different parts. There's the fundamentals of style. These are the principles that allow others to quickly and easily understand what you're communicating You know when they say first you have to know the rules before you break them? Well in that case these would be those rules. Rules and the conventions like when you write in English your sentence should begin with a capital letter and end with a full stop. Rules like checklists give us this sort of long list of things to remember of do's and don'ts. The second part is style schemas or the frameworks that underpin these conventions and rules. By understanding the schemas that account for best practice principles We learn how we can play with it and how we can make it our own. In photography, for instance, there are seven elements of composition that the photographer needs to learn how to work with. And as an aside, in case you're interested, these are line, shape, form, texture, pattern, color, and space. The third part is developing your unique newness, adding your flavor. Using the example of the elements of photography at the beginning, it would be important to learn how each of these elements work in order to achieve a certain look and feel for an end result that you have in mind. And often at this stage, photographers are looking at whose work they admire in relation to this schema. And and this methodology is, is sort of like an example of some, how someone might approach their creative process. And the creative process is the way someone looks out into the world at what already exists in order to generate a new idea. And this New idea that comes from you and is inspired by you looking at what you like and adding to that. That is your unique uniqueness. So, just to recap part one is everyday conventions for how we do things, part two is the style schemas that provide us with best practice frameworks to use. And part three is what emerges when you have found your own way to navigate these frameworks. So when it comes to developing a style for your brand, it's important to make sure you understand these conventions and schemas that are relevant to what your brand will be making its mark on. Now, just quickly, I want to pause there because this podcast show is about brand growth. And right now you might be wondering, okay, sure, that's how you develop your style. But how important is that really for me to actually build my reputation in market? Like, is this really worth investing all this time and money and energy into just so what we have our own style big whoop what's what's that got to do with making people want to buy my product or my service so i just want to address this right here right now because i see this objection come up all the time so let me be perfectly clear your style or to put it another way your manner by which your business does things is what sits at the very foundation of how people will perceive and remember you in order to build your brand equity which is the commercial value placed on your business based on how your customers perceive you, you need to ensure you have made some very important and intentional decisions about how you go about presenting yourself to the world. Now, coming back to what is relevant in terms of making your mark, let me illustrate what I mean with an example. Let's say your vision is to build a world-renowned fine dining restaurant in a tourist part of your town a critically important aspect of style that you will need to consider is your menu design and your food presentation. But if you're an accountant, this isn't an area of style that you would ever need to worry about. Maybe the closest thing you would come to needing to make a decision about this is what sort of restaurants do we take our clients to? So how about you? What areas of style are going to be important for you to consider? I think this highlights again that connection between the internal aspect of the business and the external perception of the business because in order to systematically work through decisions about your style, you need to think about what activities your business undertakes. If you take that step to consider this, you are doing something that a lot of your competitors aren't and it will give you that opportunity to really get that one up on your competitors, something that we're constantly working on doing with our clients here in my business as well. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, but I already have a brand and I already know what my style is, but I just don't know how to articulate that, stay tuned because if you remember at the beginning of this episode, Lyndall asked a question about this, so we'll cover this off in the Q&A section. You'll also notice that this episode is part one. There's going to be a couple more episodes on this where we look at how to turn your style into something that is going to, one, appeal to your customers, but two, something that your employees can adopt in order to ensure brand consistency. So, part two and three of this episode is going to be on finding your creative process to build your style guide. Full confession, I did actually intend on doing all of this in episode one. But as I was writing the episode, I realized I couldn't actually fit all of it in. And I feel like I was doing you a disservice if I just skipped over these other important areas. Also, I've been pretty sick and I'm actually still recovering. So, I am sorry this episode is a little late to publish. One of the things I've discovered with doing this series is there is a lot of value in recording the episode once a week rather than just recording a whole heap of episodes in one go and then publishing them once a week. And what it does, it gives me a chance to see what questions and conversations pop up between episodes and build my shows in response to this. So, yeah, that's why it's taken me a little bit longer Uh, I'm also going to build some templates off the back of this series so when I'm feeling a bit better I'll make sure you can find it in the in the show notes and in the next episode show notes as well okay so time for our Q&A segment and just as a reminder the first question comes from Joshua Sichter, who is from Knoxville Tennessee and he asks what are some examples of bizarre but effective personal brands you've seen so I had to have a think about this for a while. And at first I was thinking about some of the eccentric characters that people have built, like uh, some of Sasha Baron Cohen's characters, like Borat and Bruno. And then that got me thinking about Nathan Fielder, co-creator and star of Nathan for You. So I started looking at this a bit more deeply because I was like, well, Borat actually is a clearly bizarre character, but he's also clearly a character. So he's not really a personal brand more of an out-of-context caricature. Uh, English comedian Josephine Brand is also quite interesting in how she has approached and straddled these two worlds uh, and the way she portrays herself when she's playing her character by the same name and when she's more of herself, like sort of behind the scenes in interviews. But then going back to thinking about Nathan for you and Nathan Fielder, if you're not familiar with Nathan Fielder, by the way, I highly recommend checking him out. He's kind of taken this and added an extra step he's taken it a little bit further like Sasha Baron Cohen he plays that line between excruciatingly uncomfortable and fascinatingly bizarre and because it's a lot harder to know what's really him and who his character is so in that sense it's sort of more closer for me to being more like a bizarre personal brand rather than a bizarre character and then that got me thinking ah Carl Pilkington. Carl Pilkington to me is the best example I can think of for an answer to this question. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know who Carl Pilkington is, do yourself a favour and Google him. No one has quite worked out how much of who Carl presents in the public eye is him and how much his sort of character or exaggerated aspects of him It's really puzzling and he often says things that are complete no-nos in terms of being prejudiced or otherwise interpreted as discriminatory, racist or sexist, and yet he has completely captured so many people's hearts. For some reason, we forgive him even though we're not sure whether or not he's joking. And another example that I'll just throw out there whilst I'm on this question is Bob Dylan. The persona that Bob Dylan has put out there as part of his image has been humanly inconsistent, but also seemingly fabricated. Now, they are two worlds that are extremely difficult to straddle. On the one hand, if you're being authentic and human, we'll forgive a bit of inconsistency. Sure, people change. The late David Bowie did. Madonna has countless times. That's fine, no problems. But the inconsistency goes beyond that. Bob Dylan's brand is built on being authentic in the sense of I don't care what the media and fans think, but also completely inauthentic in that he gets caught out in lying or in making stuff up and changing his story. This is a really dangerous place for a brand to sit. One of the biggest threats to a brand that portrays themselves as being authentic is to be found to be inauthentic. And yet, well, has it been effective? It's Bob Dylan. Need I say more? What comes to mind for you guys? I'll run a post on LinkedIn this week to ask for your thoughts on this as well because it's a great question and I think it'd be really nice to hear what other people have thought of. Thanks again, Joshua. Okay, second question comes from Lindell Farley. Lindell is a wellbeing consultant, a sabbatical coach and an organisational change consultant who founded Beyond a Break to help people discover the power of time off. And she asks... I find that my brand style has come from my personal style and way of communicating. It's intuitive to me, but how do I translate that into words when I bring people on to work on my brand marketing? Fantastic question, Lyndall, and very relevant to this style series on Grow Your Brand. By the way, just quickly, if you want a shout-out on the show like I just did for Lyndall... Uh, which includes a mention about your business and your brand, make sure you submit your question via LinkedIn so I can go and look up your LinkedIn profile and read out your headline. If you don't want to miss out on that LinkedIn post that I put up every week asking for your questions, get in touch with me and I'd also be happy to tag you in the post as well to make sure it comes up in your feed. So back to Lindell's question. If this resonates for you, basically what you need to do is you need to go back and find out more about these intuitive decisions you're making without even necessarily realizing it. I often talk about branding and particularly personal branding as being this process of self-discovery. And this is part of the reason why. Because to work out what it is you're doing, we need to bring your decision-making process into conscious awareness. And I find for a lot of consultants in particular, because what we do is a lot of well, consulting, right? We're practiced at making a lot of decisions about how we deal with a client, the language you use, and how we take people on this journey with us whilst we're talking to them either in person or over the phone. That means a lot of the data about our mannerisms aren't documented and aren't recorded anywhere because we aren't really forced to. Versus say, as with the restaurant example I gave before, you have to have a menu and you have to have recipes for preparing the food. So we need to reverse engineer a little bit but unlike figuring this out for other internal operations of your business we can have quite a bit of fun when it comes to style when i'm working with a client on articulating their style so we can go ahead and put a style guide together i'm asking them to do things like put a mood board together go on pinterest and look at who inspires you or what inspires you or what makes you feel good Then we can have a think about, well, what is it about this person or this image or this color that makes you feel good? I'm asking for reactions to what they like and what they don't like. And if they can give me some insight into why this is the case, because what we want to do is we want to get very concrete. And we're going to explore this concept more in the episodes to follow. But for now, basically the steps to articulate the style of the brand so that others can follow it is one to understand firstly, what decisions you're making about style Where and when are these taking place? What's going on? Two is to look at how you go about making the decision, understanding what conscious and subconscious forces are at play in leading you towards a certain action, a certain behavior, a certain stylistic decision. Just as with the photography example, there are elements like line and space. We need to look at the concrete elements that are behind the reason why we like or dislike something. So I hope that's helpful, Lyndall and Joshua. As always, feel free to get in touch with me if you have any questions. And same goes to you listening along to this. To reach out, the links are in the show notes as always. Next week, we'll continue with part two of developing your style. Until then, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place.